0: Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of This Week in Voice, the weekly show that will examine all the news in this emerging, exciting field of voice technology. We're pleased today to have three amazing guests, Ahmed Bouzid. Ahmed, say hello.
1: Hello. Hello, everyone.
0: Ahmed is CEO of Witlingo. Witlingo is a B2B2C software-as-a-service company focused on enabling companies of all sizes to launch and host highly usable, value-delivering voice experiences on far-field, voice-first platforms such as Alexa, Google Assistant, and Microsoft Cortana. Witlingo is a certified preferred partner with Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. Our next guest is Mark Tucker. Mark, say hello. Hello, Mark Tucker is an Alexa champion and co-organizer of both the Phoenix Alexa Meetup and the Phoenix chapter of the Ubiquitous Voice Society, in hopes that you will join with them each month to learn about and promote voice-first technology in Arizona. And even if you're not a local designer, developer, entrepreneur, or enthusiast, Mark would still like to connect with you on LinkedIn, and his LinkedIn profile will be provided in the show notes of this podcast. Our third guest is Brian Romley. Brian, say hello. Hello. Brian is a tech analyst, researcher, and entrepreneur, and he just published issue number six of Multiplex magazine called The Enchanted Loom. He explores a new AI concept for voice-first systems called Artificial Understanding. Get the Read Multiplex app at the iOS store and subscribe for this and his entire catalog of magazines. Gentlemen, thank you very much for setting the time aside to come on.
1: You bet. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. Um,
0: My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of Score Publishing, a company based in Nashville, Tennessee. And with that, let's get to the news. So the very first story this week is The Echo Show. Now, The Echo Show came out last week, but the reviews have been coming in, and most of them are positive, including one from CNBC that we note in the show notes Ahmed, I'll start with you. What is your uh, reception to the Echo Show—positive uh, or negative—and and where do you think uh, Amazon's taking this thing?
1: So I, uh, I'm one of those people who is very skeptical about everything. Um, so, uh, so when, uh, for example, when the Tap came out, uh, or before when I was at Amazon and we were launching the Tap, I was very skeptical of it. But like any other product, you can't really judge it until you have it in front of your eyes uh, or you start using it. I was skeptical of the uh, just show. I was thinking that it was going to be a step backwards where uh, now that you can touch a screen, uh, that voice would take a second, uh, you know, a secondary role. Uh, I received it last week. It's amazing. I love it. I love the fact that I'm able to do what uh, the Echo does, but also have the, uh, the additional um, screen, I think we are just I'm just myself I'm just starting to explore it for real and thinking of use cases and there there are limits to our thinking and our thinking is enhanced and helped when we have something in front of us. So my, my, my reaction really is I love the product. I think it's gonna go uh, very far. It's gonna open up a whole new set of use cases of multimodality and um, I'm, so I'm looking forward to uh, having it be part of my my, uh, my daily life.
2: I received uh, the Echo Show the day before um, our last series of meetups and uh, took it to to the meetup, and, and it, it got some good uh, positive feedback from the people that were there. Um, I had a series of d- different devices. I had an Echo, um, a, a Dot, I had a, a Dash Wand, and, a, and an Echo Show there. And this particular venue had... Uh, had a network where you had to do credentials or at least uh, click on the the button when you redirected to the web page none of the other um, echo devices were able to connect but the uh, echo show actually brought up a web page where I could click the the confirmation on the web page and was able to use that and, and, and demo that so that that, that was impressive so I, I'm looking at it from a developer perspective I, I'm excited there's documentation is just barely coming out. It's definitely going to be a voice-first, screen-second platform. It's not uh, a tablet that's hooked on to uh, the show by any means. And, in fact, I I watched a review on on YouTube where uh, the reviewer was uh, giving it bad marks because it wasn't more of an interactive tablet experience. That's definitely not what Amazon's going for here.
3: Well, i got to echo what Ahmed and uh, Mark has said. You know, I've always thought of this as voice first, uh, not voice only. And uh, Echo Show is exactly the type of system that I ultimately think we're all going to be having, but not necessarily with the screen tied into the device. I've always thought of it as an uh, ephemeral screen, a situational screen that uh, presents itself when it's needed. And Echo Show is the first generation of that. And it is a wonderful product. Uh, Actually, very robustly designed. I got inside of it, and the speakers are very hefty. Uh, Extremely powerful amplifier. I think it beats the uh, original Echo as far as sound quality and fidelity. The dynamic range, I would think, is slightly better, uh, but uh, the power of the speaker, especially in front of it, is better than the uh, original Echo. As far as the integration of the screen, I think there is going to be a learning curve, uh, especially for developers and and even Amazon. I think a lot of people are sort of trying to understand when do you use the screen and are we just going to get lazy and not really use the voice interface? And I think that's what Ahmed was being skeptical about. And I think the conservatism that Amazon has had in the screen usage is, I believe, just the right balance. But I think in the future, while you're talking – you may wind up wanting to see some images in real time rather than waiting for it to complete. I guess that's the best way I can say it. And, you know, I have demonstrations of how I do that. I've been working on voice-first devices for a couple of decades, so ephemeral screens are not new to me. That's the only thing I was able to do uh, because of the technology. So I'm hoping to see some of that come about, but I think it's a wonderful device, and it's going to do exceedingly well in my view.
0: Given uh, the positive reviews across the board, put a number on it from zero being this is absolute garbage to 10 being this is the best possible product that Amazon, this is the best possible version of itself that Amazon could have released with the Echo Show. Each of you give me a number. and Brian, you can start first.
3: 7.5. And it has nothing to do with the quality or Amazon. It just has to do with where we are in the arc of development.
2: Yeah, um, Mark here, I'll go ahead and give it an eight. I'll, I'll give you an example. It, it was able to surprise me. So not only did I like having the lyrics show when I'm um, listening to music, but uh, there's a, a cool feature, I don't know if you've tried it yet, you can hold up a, a product like I don't know, a bag of Cheetos uh, to the, the show and say, uh, Alexa, buy this. And uh, it, these sparkly things appear on the screen, and all of a sudden it uh, comes up with the, the product listing that you could purchase on Amazon.
1: Yeah, I, I think seven point five two or eight is probably the right right grade um, uh, just to echo we're gonna be using the word echo many times, I guess, right? Um, just to echo the uh, the sentiments of both um, um, Brian and Mark. I think uh, the product is rich enough for us at this point to understand that we are going to discover as we go along what to do with it which is uh, uh which is what a great product is all about is you don't know exactly the limits of what you can do with it unless you use it um and so because of that i think i think we are, this is an mvp a minimum viable product i think for sure um this uh, embodiment of a screen and a speaker in one place is only the first iteration. I think we'll definitely be living in a, in a world later on where um, your voice is ubiquitous and also uh, images and touches are ubiquitous so that you can freely in your normal life uh, as a three-dimensional human being be able to call upon technology to help you uh, in real time. Um, so you can go on with your three-dimensional life as opposed to being trapped by a device or interface.
3: You know, I got <clears> to <throat> circle back around. I, I fully believe what I'm uh, at everything he's saying, perfect, Mark. Also, you know, and Mark brought up a really interesting point, and I really think that the fundamental use case is going to be voice commerce uh, for the Echo Show. I, there's absolutely no doubt; it's a magical experience. Like Mark said, you hold something up, it knows what it is, uh, barcode especially, and boom, it's it's ready to go. And that's always been the hidden agenda with Amazon. It's also, if we get into it, um, Alibaba. Uh, Both companies, very large e-commerce companies, moving into voice commerce very efficiently. And finally, you know, I don't know if anybody got to try the uh, video calling. The video calling feature is absolutely... Yes, I did. It's magical. Uh, you know, we, we had dinner with grandma at the table, and she's eating, we're eating. Uh, my kids are interacting. It, I, all I could say was a magical experience, and I could see it really dominating uh, families that are separated. It really touches people.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, Brian, I did, and that's actually why I give it a little bit higher score. I think probably eight eight and a half for a nine. the The video the video calling was phenomenal. Uh, I called my parents uh, using it, and uh, it's very easy to see how you have this thing sitting on your desk in your office, and you just tell it to call somebody, and it calls them. And yeah, you know, you could do it on your phone, but it's just very underrated uh, how great it is to have it be hands free. So. That's story number one, and uh, appreciate uh, those uh, perspectives on that. Um, hey, we'll move hey Bradley, to our second. Yes, can yes I say sir. Just, I just want to say
2: one last thing about that. There, sure. I haven't been able to do the calling feature on the show yet. I, I'm in this uh, subclass of people that uh, that doesn't have an Android phone or an iPhone, um, or and, and and right now that's what you need to be able to set up the show. And and, and there, I guess I have a concern that uh that there is a direction that maybe from amazon that's going that 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 they're going to require these certain things so um there's different ways to set up the application you can go through web you can do through a tablet or through a phone and, and right now you have to have one of those two phones that i mentioned before an iphone or an android phone to even set up this and so i'm thinking you know the people that don't group of people that don't have smartphones maybe uh, maybe parents or grandparents that you want to set this up for and they don't have um, uh, even you know a smartphone so there's a certain subclass of people that can't use these features right now and I'm not sure if it's a trend from Amazon or if the other technology just hasn't caught up yet uh,
1: so are, are you sure uh, you can't do through a web browser Alexa that's yeah sure? I tried I tried
2: that the option's not even there uh, so I've, I've got yeah I've got a call out to uh, Okay. Uh, an evangelist from uh, Amazon that's going to be ch- checking in for me, but I haven't heard back yet. But yeah, that right now there is a, a I, problem. With that. I,
3: I can tell you that that's um, that's already being worked on the, the the design. I think they overlooked a couple of things, and I think in the next iteration it won't be more than a you know a software download where you'll just be able to drop in. It will you know detect the Wi-Fi and you're ready to go.
0: And Mark, I encountered that myself, uh, where it surprised me that I needed to get my smartphone on. I was was looking around like, is there some other way to do this? And it didn't appear like there was, but it's good to know that they are uh, working on that, which which, uh, in my opinion, I agree with you, they should. The second story we've got is that Samsung is producing its own smart home speaker powered by Bixby, which is Samsung's voice assistant. And since the uh, third story we've got deals with Alexa, Brian, I'm going to let you take this one uh, first.
3: Well, thank you. Uh, Bixby is a interesting creation by Samsung. And a lot of people have made the mistake of thinking when we look at Bixby, we're actually looking at Viv. And we aren't. And, you know, I I, I feel kind of bad for the viv team because a lot of what bixby is presented thus far and its implementations have been not uh, really uh, taken as being a serious attempt to equal siri or or google assistant uh bixby was originally designed for um uh, primarily Korean uh, language, uh, later on uh, a few other Asian languages, and really has not done extremely well with English. Whereas Viv is a completely different pa- platform. Now, the question remains is how quickly can the Bixby team uh, assimilate what the Viv team has produced? I'm not certain if that's going to take place in a very fast, uh, you know, an accelerated way. The problem with Bixby, I think, ultimately, is going to be when they move on to an independent platform, a voice-first platform, will it be compelling enough for people to want to move in that direction? Um, I'm not not convinced yet. Uh, I have seen some improvements in Bixby. I've got to see some very early alpha tests, and they've gotten much further down the line. And I do like the fact that they're enriching and expanding the voice-first platforms. I mean, it is radically expanded in 2017, and it's going to quadruple in 2018. So uh, I think Bixby needs to be there. I think they need to hopefully integrate Viv uh, in a much deeper way. But let's also shift to one other concept, and that is... The real reason why Samsung acquired uh, Viv, and that is Samsung is looking at, let's call it, voiceifying everything that they make, and this is a radical departure in user interface. I believe it's going to be the best radical departure we've ever seen as humanity. Um, I have appliances. I, I have a washer and dryer. I really don't how to know how to use. And here's uh, Bradley. is the thing that really is crazy. I bought these things because they had really sophisticated operating systems, apparently. Really nice touchscreens. They could do everything. But you just don't even want to do it. You kind of, the nerd of you says, yeah, let's do this. And then it's like, just get me to clean white socks. The kids have been walking in the streets with these socks, you know. <laughs> and so that's the subtext to all this is Bixby and Viv in some form is going to reach out through you through millions and millions of appliances, door locks, garbage cans, televisions, uh, appliances, nuclear power plants. Let's not get those words wrong, right? Because they do have machinery that interacts with that. And most specifically, medical uh, machinery. Uh, Samsung's working very aggressively for uh, a number of medical operations uh, to be performed purely by voice. And it sounds crazy until you see... What somebody has to do uh, in a medical environment to get something done manually, you'll see that it dramatically changes medical experiences. So they got to get this stuff wired and they got to get it right. So it's good news, but it's just the beginning for Samsung.
1: Yeah, uh, so I just want to echo uh, Brian's uh, remarks in that I would be disappointed if uh, what um, what the what the iteration on their end as far as. Uh, voice first would be an echo-like device, meaning um, you know, a speaker it can talk to from far away. Uh, one use case that I would love for somebody to to uh, to solve—not that I watch a lot of TV, but the television being able to just say, "I want to watch some baseball," and then baseball shows up, um, or "I want to watch the Nationals," or "I want to watch something." Just that, and, and 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 then just make the remote control completely, um, you know, obsolete. I'd love for that use case to be uh, solved. I think uh, if they were to pick an MVP, that would be an amazing MVP to uh, to pick um, and solve the problem of the TV speaking. Um, and so it uh, it nullifies the signal coming out, and it's and, and just like magic, and it works. Um, but but again, I think I think uh, they would be, I think the reception of uh, Bixby would be um, would be hugely positive if they came. Came out with uh, something that is embedded within some device that uh, exists in every home, whether it's washing machine or uh, what I think would be a compelling case, especially in the United States, where there are like four or five TVs on average per home. Is the is the is a smart TV that you can speak with and I can do things like uh, change channel, turn it off, or go to some some you know some content that you're looking for.
3: You know, Ahmed, uh, I got to echo in here that's what apple tv is trying to do and and that's what siri and apple have been working on and they haven't got gotten quite there yet the latest iteration of apple tv os uh tv os is getting close to the point where you can just name you know uh, the ontology of what you're looking for baseball football and uh you can kind of get there but you know Apple really needs to fix the remote. I mean, it needs to be far-field or, you know, medium-field. Yeah. And it, it needs to be on-demand. But, yeah, that's going to fundamentally change uh, all consumption, and, and that's a great use case. Uh, so I, I absolutely agree. Uh, if Samsung can do that, they're going to change television.
2: Yeah, a couple of points that I um, thought of when uh, when I read this article is that, you know, Bixby was supposed to uh, come out the the – New Samsung phone and and it's it's delayed and and Amazon and Google has just made it easy. Uh, we just think oh it's just easy to go ahead and do a smart speaker um, and I think this uh, the visibility of what Samsung doing with bigsby is just showing us that it's actually difficult and we kind of got a little bit spoiled with uh, with uh, Amazon and Google. Uh, the other point that I wanted to make. Um, this was something that Lior Grebler said in yesterday's uh, voice first round table was that any new entrants are going to need to wow him. And I think that's kind of what it it is with me, you know, go ahead, Samsung, wow me, but uh, I don't, I don't know if the smart speakers going to do it, but uh, other products would probably do that.
0: Mark, I completely agree with that. And and the only thing I have to add is that, you know, uh, it's, it's starting to get crowded for me. Um, I already am. Um, hesitant as I look toward the HomePod uh, coming out, you know I'm. Let's be honest, I'm probably going to have to buy that. I'm going to do it kind of angrily. <laughs> but uh, w- Every once Apple, buy that. <laughs> <Every buy laughs> <Yeah. it. laughs> I know I'll show them right. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, for anybody else other than the four horsemen, you know, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, Apple, um, it better be phenomenal. So we'll see what they have uh, in store for us.
3: I got to ask, you know, and I'm not being facetious about it, but I'm a, as a researcher, why? why? Go ahead. Why why feel that it's just another one? Uh, do you feel like there are too many? Does that make you? It,
0: it, yeah, so my. Uh, on what level?
3: I mean, is it an emotional level? Is it a financial level?
0: All those. Uh, for most people, it will definitely be. Uh, people will start to, have, uh, you know, financial uh, aspects of this are definitely going to be a limiting factor. Um, I and I think it'll you'll see it with Apple. You know, Amazon's going to make every effort to try to ruin the launch of the HomePod uh, <laughs> by, ex- by expediting every possible feature uh, for Alexa. And $350 is a lot of money. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Um, and um, so that'll be interesting to watch. But for me personally, um, it's just a time. It's a time slash attention span factor. It's, my God, do I really want to learn another one of these things? Um, and so there needs to be, um, we're reaching a point, we may not be there quite yet, uh, because all of us are sort of on the vanguard here, but we're going to reach a point where there's just too many of these things competing for too little attention for the, that the layman has to offer.
3: You know, I hear you. I'm a little biased because I'm surrounded with 77 voice-first systems. Many of them uh, I made myself, but some of them are uh, experimental by uh, stealth companies. Some of them are out, obviously. And uh, I've gotten to the point where I like the richness. And and sure, here's the way I see it is you're going to have your best friends. And then you're going to have the rest of the crowd and some of the rest of the crowd, maybe your appliances and other things, you're going to be fine talking to them because you already know the operating system, it's called speaking, and you already know the arcane aspects of that. As these devices get more intelligent, or as the OS has become more intelligent, it's what I talked about in the magazine this month, uh, you know, artificial understanding. As artificial understanding, as I define it, it's kind of a new term anyway, um, is, is that, you know, you're really not gonna know who you're talking to, ultimately. There are gonna be many devices, And some of those devices will be preferential and execute on what you want and mediate on the back end who's going to respond and how they're going to get it done. And it sounds kind of crazy, but really it comes down to resources and whether Google can answer a question better or maybe Amazon can answer that question better. So it's really this idea of a personal assistant that's going to stand between you and these voice-first speakers because none of these speakers these voice for systems, none of them are personal assistants, not even close Siri's not even close. And they're the closest, uh, and Amazon certainly isn't. And it has to do with context.
2: Yeah. I, was, I thought it was interesting, uh, that you said, uh, learn another one of these and, and, and that's what voice is supposed to promise, right? That we don't have to learn something new. We just talk. And, and it, I guess it's still a reminder to us just how early we are, uh, in this, uh, world of voice first that, uh, that we that's, that we're still like, still feeling like uh we have to learn the device as opposed to the the device uh, adapting to us
1: yeah i think i think we even though we think that uh, this has gone mainstream i think we're still living in a bubble um the vast majority of the people that i encounter in my daily life do not have an echo or have heard of it uh even people who are in the tech industry um so i think I think Apple does have a shot big time uh, because most people who have an iPhone um, don't have an Echo um, and don't have anything that's voice, and they'll just see it as a natural thing to buy the latest and greatest, uh, you know, eh, that Apple is offering. So I think by no means one should uh, count Apple out, um, uh, even though the price point is higher. But then again, you know, uh, the people who buy iPhones and they buy watches they are not very price sensitive. Uh, so I think. I think next year, I think the, the pie chart or the market share is going to look a little bit different. Uh, one should never underestimate Apple, uh, even though a lot of criticism has been leveraged uh, or levied against them in terms of innovation. Uh, so I think I think the, the map will look a little bit different next year, which is exciting. I think we need to have competition amongst the uh, these big giants.
3: I, I agree, Ahmed. You know, and I, I've been fortunate enough to actually hear the sound quality. And again, as an audiophile, I was stunned by the quality and it's it's a lot of people think in terms of music right but also think in terms of the fidelity of that voice and the ability for that voice to project and just how um in a sense it's a magical experience because a voice literally feels like it's coming out of the room uh, and especially the new Siri, which is much more emotive, uh, a much more uh, expressive type of voice, where it, it sounds like it was built for the new HomePod. And, uh, and obviously Apple is also playing upon the near field and the far field. Apple owns the near field voice first world. There's nobody else coming cl- close to AirPods. And two years ago, I was talking about Apple eliminating, well, actually seven years ago, I was talking about Apple eliminating uh, the 3.5 millimeter jack, and it's like that's crazy. People are going to get mad, and and what happened was once they got to understand the AirPod experience, and those of us who are cutting edge using it for voice first, you never go back. Most of most of the things I write, I dictate into AirPods. I mean, why do I need to type when I can walk around? I can jog. Uh, I mean, I, I wrote half the magazine while walking in the hills. I didn't type most of it, and you could tell by. <laughs> the way it looks, because I need an editor. But um, you know, th- those functionalities you just can't you-, you can't give up. And Apple's got an advantage there.
1: And, and uh, so, Bradley, just so that I don't forget the thought, Bradley, maybe one sure uh, the, one of these uh, uh, one of these uh, editions of the, the roundtable, we can do maybe a section on the pluses and minuses of, uh, of Voice First, because I think we're all champions. But I think it would be uh, useful to all of us to think about what is the minus of voice first, because there are minuses. Uh, uh, and,
3: I'd be yeah. I'd be all in on that. It'd be, uh, it'd be great I, <laughs> to help us refine <laughs> our
1: thinking, as opposed to I think I think right now I think it's it's great for us to be evangelists. We have to to be able to push the field forward. But I think um, it would be good for us to think about what is the minus of uh, of uh, a and, and one minus that I see just to trigger the thinking for um, whatever next time we talk about this is. Is, um, is being cloistered, right? So having ear, walking around with these ear, earbuds and talking all the time and uh, having living in your shelf, so to speak. The mind is its own place kind of a thing as opposed to being um, a thing that lives and interacts with the outside world. Anyway, just, just a, uh, hopefully an idea that, uh, that will turn into something.
3: I personally no, I'm in love, complete I, agreement on that. I love it too. Yeah, I think it's a great idea because I hear people all the time talking about it.
0: Uh, yeah, and uh, I, trust me, there's plenty of people who tell me, what is this voice first FM thing? Like, w- you know, how do you know this is going to stick? Um, you know, some variation of that question. And, uh, you know, all the people I- in this podcast right now, we know um, that there's no turning back, but we also know that there's uh, still a lot of hurdles in front of. Um, Uh, in front of the the sector, and it would be good to dissect those further. And one final thing, Brian, some of us uh, are still very salty about the removal of the headphone jack. Um, (laughs) I won't name names, but... I didn't do it. But part of it, too, and I don't mean to open a can of worms here, but uh, the AirPods communicate with each other with Bluetooth that passes through your brain, and and i'm not in, in, incredibly comfortable with that um and, and that's not the least that's by far not the only reason but it certainly has not gotten as much attention as it will when someone sues apple for that which absolutely will happen um, so, uh, you know, I, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think, uh, wireless is the future, but, um, there's still some, some ground yet to be, uh, settled with that too. But, uh, anyhow, yeah,
3: I, I, you know, I, I gotta say, uh, you know, I'm an evangelist of technology, but I'm also, um, a study of where humans are going and, and how it is affecting us medically and psychologically, like what Ahmed has been saying. And I can tell you that it is not a good thing to be surrounded by Wi-Fi 24 hours a day. It is not a good thing to have a Bluetooth device on your left or right arm. And it's not a good thing to have Bluetooth or any type of um, cellular um, type of radio frequency going through your cranium. Because once it gets in there through the ear canals, it literally reverberates inside your skull uh, in in a lot of ways. Uh, Some of the frequencies, not all of them, the higher frequencies just pass through and, and literally radiate you. We don't know what the impact will be. Uh, and it might be very much like nine out of 10 doctors prefer lucky stripes. It might be that we look back in time and say, why were they so crazy to irradiate themselves with all of these spectrum of frequencies? Didn't they know better? And um, what I would say this, just cause you brought it up and I got to get on my soapbox about it.
0: Go ahead. If you,
3: if you have young children and you have them, in front of, uh, specifically cellular, uh, devices that are active cellular. And they're in very early and if pregnant women, absolutely. Any of those early developmental moments where brain functionality is being, uh, you know, formed is abundantly important to, to read up on the literature To really understand that some of the studies were done by cellular companies, and to realize the model that they used was a a, a military individual uh, of 25 years old, their skull, they used those tests. Those tests are the defining tests for how uh, cellular frequencies pass through the cranium. And... um, you know, that does not really match a developing fetus or a uh, a skull of a child that hasn't even been crystallized and formed. So there's a lot to be said about this, and I see children when I'm outside, and again, I'm I'm an evangelist of technology, and they have their kids with their phones up to their head, listening to things, talking, or holding an active cellular phone for hours at a time. And it sort of breaks my heart because... You know, we brought this technology about, and we don't even know what the impacts are going to be. So that's my public service announcement.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and I think uh, you know that's eloquently stated. I'll let that sort of sort of uh, stay, and and uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. We there's a lot more that has to be litigated, and I mean, literally and metaphorically, um, but also uh, you know, there's a lot more that just uh, society has to find out about all this technology and. It'll be interesting to watch uh, as it happens. We'll continue to have a front row seat. Um, I'm going to move on to the story number three here, which is uh, that Alexa has passed 15,000 skills, more than doubling since the beginning of the year. So I wrote about this uh, myself earlier in the year that uh, there seemed to be a... um, uh, an exponential uh, increase in what we're seeing with Alexa skills. but and Apparently, we're still seeing it because this was news this week. Mark, I'll start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the plethora of uh, Alexa skills and the growth that we're seeing?
2: Yeah, that sounds good. Um, just a little bit about my background. I'm actually a fairly newcomer to the Alexa platform. I haven't even hit my year mark. I've only been uh, doing this for about 10 months now. Long background you know, programming, uh, mostly Microsoft technologies. But when I started this uh, 10 months ago, there were 3,000 skills. And uh, you'd get a t-shirt if you um, if you were able to uh, certify a skill and deliver it. And, and now just basically on average, we're getting about 1,000 new skills um, a month. And I'm excited for the fact that it's what it's telling me is that the platform is very approachable to developers, um, but there's a lot of novice skills out there, um, I guess to, to put it nicely, um, a lot of very basic uh, skills that are out on the market. And and uh, if you're part of this, the Alexa Slack group, I encourage you to, to join if you're not, there's uh, There was quite a bit of eye-rolling last month. Uh, In June was the first month where Amazon would get you a a dot if you uh, certified in this year, uh, this month, sorry, it's uh, a dot plus socks. Uh, So uh, there's, like I say, a bunch of eye-rolling. I'll I'll quote somebody from the the Slack group. It says, yep, 2,500 free dots means another 2,500 hastily written, narrow focus, easily certified, minimal skills, bloating the skill store anyone want to beta test mine? so uh, it's just, it's yikes. just... <laughs> So there is a little bit of uh, in one side I see it because I, I think the, the novice skilled developer of today might just be the next brilliant uh, skill developer that pushes the platform so in a way I'm excited to see so many developers joining but I, I do see that there's gonna be a problem uh, with you know what do you do with all these skills?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think uh, I think Amazon needs to move on from uh, the the numbers uh, game. I think uh, they've made their Amazon has made the point or has validated the point that there's energy and interest in voice. I think the next thing they need to do, and they need to do it as soon as possible, is to enable people to monetize their skills. If you want to build a great skill, it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, it's not a developer game. It is a product. It needs to be researched, it needs to be designed, it needs to be built, it needs to be tested, it needs to be beta tested. It needs to be launched and monitored and marketed and so forth and it's uh, and just like we know that there are companies that, that in fact turn into unicorn uh, unicorns uh, uh, um, uh, when there was a model on how to make money and so forth. Using mobile uh, mobile apps, um, I think we need to move on to the next stage. I think uh, continuing to promote numbers and, and saying now we have 20,000 skills or 25,000 skills that at some point it's going to be a game of diminishing returns where people are, where the narrative is going to change from look at how many skills we have to look at how, many, how much junk uh, we have out there. Um, here's a point that I want to make the last point is this if, if I believe, if there was no skills store, I think the numbers in terms of people purchasing Echo would not change one iota. Um, I think people are not buying these things because of the skills they're buying them for the out-of-the-box. Um, so that's, that should be something that Amazon should worry about. Um, are are 50,000 skills adding value? Are they compelling people to buy the Echo? Uh, probably I'm wrong in, in the sense I'm being extreme. There are maybe a couple of skills that are really compelling. Uh, but I, I really do believe that uh, if, if we took the Alexa skill store and completely wiped it out... I think the impact on, this, on the purchase of, uh, of Alexa would, uh, would be minimal uh, and the adoption of Alexa would be minimal. So we need to move on to the next stage of enabling people to deliver high-quality experiences.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that, Ahmed. Uh, the, I, I like to play with um, a game called the brand game. You know, If you, if you were to pick uh, some top well-known brands and then go look for them in the Alexa store, uh, most of them or maybe none of them will be there. So, for example, there's no Nike or Adidas. No Pepsi or Coca Cola, no McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, no Walgreens, Walmart, or Weight Watchers. So there's there's a, a yep. lot of uh, you know opportunity, and I think that's going to be the next uh, phase, uh, and it's going to require not just developers, but voice user interface designers and and a whole uh, slew of new talent that uh, that's not out there yet. Yeah, if,
1: if anybody from those brands is listening, please contact with Lingo. We'll take care of you.
3: You know, um, my view on this, uh, I I start with the fundamental reality of all this. And, you know, and I echo what Ahmed and Marcus said, uh, and Ahmed brought up it very eloquently that you need monetization. But before monetization, you have to solve discovery. The biggest problem with every voice-first platform, and this will continue on until it's solved, and there are ways to solve it. There's about 21 ways, maybe 27 if you really want to stretch it, that solves discovery. But I can tell you what does not solve discovery. What does not solve discovery is you having to go to a visual hardware store to look at an icon using this old iOS app modality, and that you somehow activate or download... A skill or an app is fundamentally incorrect. It's fundamentally uh, wrong. And the moment that that changes and becomes more human-like, it's a moment that these devices will become orders of magnitude more powerful. I'll give a hint on one of them. Um, We as humans build our skills as neurons. Neurons don't sit in a silo, isolated. Otherwise, we don't even know they exist. What neurons do is they interconnect... And they interact with other neurons and they form a view of the world and they form a view of a memory and maybe there is an activation of that memory and maybe that memory is always active. It, it doesn't matter. But from a, from a very simple context, it's a neuron. Right now, skills or apps are not neurons. They stand alone in their world in their little sandbox, very much like a iOS app would be. And it's, I'm not being critical of the designers here. They are just using their old modalities and saying, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Follow me through. I'll be a little long on this, but if we build neurons, if we build use cases where these systems all interconnect, very much like the way the internet does, but I don't want to get too iterative, then all of a sudden the value of each individual neuron is, of course, great, but the sum total is even greater. And now discovery is also... Does this app quote unquote exist? And then invocation, how do I remember how to get to it? This whole idea of using certain keywords to try to activate a skill is abundantly insane because there are only so many domain names, there are only so many ways that you're going to be able to uh, you know take you know, there might be a, a kid that takes over the the uh, ability to activate Coke. And then Amazon might say, well, this is a better skill or maybe Coke gets to own it. But after a while, there are going to be some uh, generic uh, quote-unquote domain names, if you will, uh, inside the Alexa uh, lexicon that they're going to have a a fork in the road. There's 9,000 skills that can be activated with it. And then after a while, I did a study on this. Uh, at, At current rate, in four years, Basically, you're going to run out of invocation words. You're going to, you're not going to have them, and then you've hit the hard wall. So the problem is fundamentally that there's not enough people like Ahmed, I include myself and a few other people I know in the world, that are sitting down and thinking this through and saying, "Hold it, we've gotten here. This is great. We've proven that voice is going to work, but oh my God, we've painted ourselves in a corner." Let's tiptoe around the edges before we get our feet in red paint. And let's find a way to solve this. And this is a huge problem for everybody involved. Some of the folks on the Viv team were looking at this. This is something I've been studying for the better part of the last 10 years. It's been keeping me up at night, obviously, as you can tell. So the answer is we literally have to rethink discovery, invocation, and then monetization. Yeah all these other things are irrelevant. I don't care if there's 100 million skills, if you can't remember how to get to them, there's never going to be an invocation of them and how do I find that they exist?
1: Yeah. So I yeah. agree Brian absolutely. Jump I, it, Ahmed. I, yeah. yeah. Um no definitely I I think you and I are definitely in agreement. I think the 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 full team here agrees that discovery is the primary problem right now. I think I think what Amazon did was was good as an MVP. I think they had to piggyback on a a concept that everybody understood, which is a store you go to there. But I think, uh, and I've written a a short piece on that, I think Google is definitely going about it the right way, which is um, there is a way for you to say, hey, Google, ask blah for this, right? But they're also building a layer where, you you just say, uh, hey, Google, um, I want to find out what the stock is for Facebook. And it, uh, the, whatever it is, meaning the intelligence that's mediating between you and the plethora or whatever uh, uh, actions, they call them actions in Google, out yeah. there, um, it, it, that intelligence uh, sort of figures out uh, which among the actions is the best one uh, for you and so forth so that you don't have to remember to say uh, the name of a brand or some kind of an invocation, um, there is a, a semantic analysis of what you said, with the, with context. And again, I'm I'm just theorizing about how they probably are going about it because it's sort of a black box. But in essence, what the, the, the problem trying to solve, which is a very hard problem, uh, is the problem of you saying things naturally and it discovering for you. Uh, the service that it has in its ecosystem to deliver um or to solve the problem you're trying to solve uh with with uh with the burden uh which is what makes this interface very compelling with burden burden being completely on the artificial let's call it interface as opposed to you mm, the burden being on you not having to remember how to invoke something but you just speak it naturally and since it's a neural network hopefully uh it will learn to learn how to answer you versus somebody else versus somebody else versus somebody else, um, uh, and give you what you want, given the way you speak or how you talk or how people in general talk. So I think I think directionally, I think we are uh, going in in um in a, uh, we're pointing in the right direction, and I think uh, Google is consciously playing uh, is not playing the game of uh, of, of Amazon, which is uh, they're not playing the number game. They they are going about it in a different way, which again, which is great for for us. Uh, competition is great, uh, and 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 they are they are going they're trying to solve the, the problem of discovery in the right way, which is to take over the uh, the, Ahmed, the, uh, the burden.
3: I got to ask, you know, my idea is that everything is interconnected like a neuron, right? Once we start building these actions, and they become interdependent, and at this interdependency, mm-hmm. I think, is a really important part. What if one of the neurons leave? What if, like, I go into your brain and I pull out a memory and then all of a sudden yeah. a thousand other memories are impacted because of the, yeah. this interdependency? See, what I'm what I'm essentially saying is once you go down this path, you are stuck with the idea that you literally have to build a very high contextually aware true personal assistant yep. that is uniquely with that person. Do you see that as, as – as the, the ultimate directional? Yeah,
1: absolutely. No, I mean you—you you definitely have uh, thought about this a lot more than than I have. But I definitely agree with the with the uh, with the with the sentiment and uh, and the um and, and the uh, the understanding. I think you have a lot more involved than I do. That we need to have something that is um, highly integrated, uh, that is personal, that uh, that is deep, uh, and that once we dip into the world of language, um, we have to. We have to embrace the full complexity of, of how we do things as human beings because it's really a really really
3: complex. I love uh, I love that analogy yeah. though, right? That, that hugely, complexity, right? Yeah, it's hugely complex. Yeah. Yeah, and, and but it's, it's solvable in your mind, right? I mean, we're not talking about trying to climb an, an artificial mountain, right? I mean, you've been down yeah. this road. It, yeah. Yeah. I,
1: so. I think I think what what I, what do you think is that we need to keep in mind what we're trying to do, which is to make people's lives better. Right, Um, as opposed to replicating a human being. Right, to the extent that we can make people's life better, and for me, a better life is a a natural life, and and not one that is infested by gadgets and so forth, but one that allows you to have a conversation with with human beings in three D. You hear their voice, you touch them, you you know do things, and because I, I think I think you made that. I think you wrote an article. Where, or you, or, or I think I read something or a tweet, where if you compare the amount of time uh, that that it took for us to evolve and all that stuff up to the point where yeah. we started to interact with technology, this is no more than a dot in a long line, right? We are, we are, yeah. you know. So there's hubris in thinking that we can actually create technology that is going to overcome uh, our innate, our innate needs to be fulfilled human beings, right? Our innate needs to be fulfilled human beings is to be able to engage with other human beings in a natural way, which is voice, conversation, face-to-face, touch, and, unless, and, and if we don't do that, then we are in a state of, I don't know, enemy, um, where we're not completely ourselves. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm getting on my soapbox
3: again. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's actually beautiful, and I got to say this. The idea that humanity was designed to type uh, this last issue of Multiplex Magazine, I went yep. to Broca's area. Uh, you know, when, when you understand that the brain is actually telling you what to type and you have to transcribe it. Most people in the AI research community are not thinking in these terms. And most of us in the technology world just take it as, a, as an a priori that, oh, when you type, you type. No, what you're doing is you're transcribing an inner voice. So in a sense, when you are activating your motor neurons and then they are activating your nervous system to try to type one painful letter at a time yeah. to form words, That's right. you realize that you, there's a throughput problem in your, uh, in your Broca area, which, uh, w- area, they, they interact, but you know, Broca is basically your inner voice or that region. I cut that out of your brain. I can, I can, you can never communicate again. You can't type, you can't write, you can't speak. I give you Broca back, you can. I partially damage it. You might only be able to use a few words. And Broca discovered that by somebody who had a lesion on on the area that they named after him. But when you understand that humanity took a big step backwards so that computers could understand us, when you really understand that that cannot stand, that the mind is not going to evolve See, evolution doesn't work this way. You don't just start working a muscle (laughs) and then all of a sudden new babies will come out with a bigger brain. You have to die. Certain people have to die and others have to live for evolution to work. And I don't see anybody dying uh, because they have a better uh, or, or living longer or whatever because they have better skills of typing. That certainly is not what's going on in the world. So when you understand why voice first... I, t- I say this go back to Broca study his area study how that we're literally transcribing everything as a voice in our mind it's literally think about when you type as you're typing you're saying words in your brain there's no way other way around that when you are writing when you're you know when you're you know manually writing unfortunately you're literally doing both parts of the brain that's why writing is always better than typing but as, pro, as a programmer, I, I, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have really wanted to argue. I'd get mad at me for saying this stuff. But it's the reality. It's the reality. We're designed to speak. And that's why Voice First is going to dominate. It, that's one way or the other. Oh, I I
2: love this. Sorry, I love this. We start from Alexa skills and we uh, end up on neuroscience. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and, you know, the voice in my head is telling me it's time to move to the next uh, news story. I'm glad you guys uh, had nothing to say on this one, though. Uh, I will say that uh, I I look forward to contributing to the garbage in the Alexa skills uh, marketplace store with a skill coming out. Very soon for This Week in Voice, where you will be able to say, Alexa, please play This Week in Voice, and it will play it for you just like you can conveniently for uh, Voice First Roundtable. You can say, Alexa, please play Voice First Roundtable, and it will begin playing that. You will find funny, though, uh, working with Forthcast, uh, which is our sponsor for a couple of the other podcasts, um, uh, we tried to do an Alexa skill for the Alexa podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, and that I knew it was going to get rejected, but <laughs> it was just funny to watch uh, the the developer who's in charge of that uh, deal with that. Um, so, yeah, Amazon was not willing to have an Alexa skill where you say, Alexa, please play the Alexa podcast. <laughs> and Brian, it's to your point, uh, just that we're, uh, we're going to hit this wall of... Um, You know, having invocation words is just not going to work for too much longer. So your point is well taken. Moving on to story number four in the news, Google fined 2.4 billion euros by the European Union for quote anti-competitive practices in written search. And my question, I'll start with you, Mark. Uh, again, um, will this impact uh, acceptance, adoption, etc. for Google uh, Home uh, and Google Assistant, or is this just uh, sort of uh, irrelevant?
2: I, um you know this definitely isn't my specialty. Um I I do personally find an issue if if Google's you know preaches consumer first and then ranks up uh, its products higher. I, I, I do have a problem with that, but long term fallout I don't know that there's gonna be any and, and I don't know that's gonna affect voice. That's that's my short analysis. Okay.
3: Well, you know, uh, it's interesting you bring this up because uh this has been something I've been thinking about for a very long time and, you know, antitrust actions, uh, go through cycles. You know, I grew up in central Jersey when uh, the divestiture of AT&T took place. And, you know, there's good and bad about that. Uh, you know, some of it's, um, very bad as far as the way research has declined in America. Uh, you know, AT&T led that for a very, very long time. But anyway, we, we have a history to show us what, this looks like within what happened with microsoft and it turns out all of that work of um, trying to regulate microsoft really didn't do anything uh ultimately microsoft lost their dominance because technology passed them by and um what is going to happen i believe is yes it does google sometimes not do the right thing Uh, i would say probably that's very true uh Is it the province of regulators to regulate? Yeah. And do they need to be threatened sometimes? Absolutely. Um, But when it comes to voice, it's going to be a very critically important uh, problem. Problem number one is, what is going to dominate? If, in fact, the uh, invocations like we talked about go away, who's going to get to control that in your voice-first system? How much is somebody going to pay, perhaps, to to, uh, uh, to take over certain words. And is that in the best interest of the user when they're asking for things? You know, that's problem number one. But it gets even more complex when we start talking about privacy. And I believe, you know, this whole thing about the antitrust actions and fines are going to set the stage for privacy actions. And I believe the next 10 years, we're going to see a war over privacy like we've never seen before. The generation that said, hey, I don't care. I put all my whole life up there. Big deal. They're going to start getting older. They're going to start changing their a lot of their worldviews. And they're going to start saying, I want my privacy back. You don't have the right to know this. And to hand to Google something is they finally stopped phishing through Gmail. I think that's a very important beginning. I think it was overlooked by a lot of people and maybe it's a reaction to other regulation that was coming across. Maybe it was a reaction to the political landscape of 2016. I'm not sure. But uh, the bottom line is regulators are there to regulate. They're going to do things that are both in the interest of the people and, unfortunately, in the interest of perpetuating being more uh, uh, contentious in a regulatory environment. That's the best way I can see it.
0: Yeah, Amen.
1: Very, very briefly, I, uh, I well, I, I'm always sympathetic to uh, any 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 entity that challenges uh, big moneyed interests. So, uh, government that challenges a massive um, entity that has infiltrated our lives, like uh, like Google. Um, probably, Google has infiltrated our lives a lot more than Apple, for example, because everybody uses Gmail, and Gmail is where most of our lives happen. In a recorded way, and in a way that you can search and so forth. Anyway, so I'm sympathetic, uh, and I love the fact that uh, Europe has challenged Microsoft and has challenged Google, and 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 they need to be kept in check. Number one, number two, um, I think the voice, the voice, especially the voice, uh, the uh, the voice interface is one um, that um, it has pluses and minuses. The minus of voice is that it is very constraining. You, if you search for something, you don't have in front of you the leisure of a screen where you can see multiple results and you can click on this and, and do your um, you know your search on your own terms to find what you're looking for. So you're a lot more susceptible to manipulation. So if, if Google, for example, is promoting certain certain results and provides you with, those, with that answer and the answer is not purely or uh, a clean um, um, a rendering of what is the best result out there but is influenced by some moneyed interest um, you as the user um, trusting and as most users are uh, the you know most users are not like a skeptical and think through things and wonder about what are the interests behind this and that just look at technology they believe that it's done. Um, and it, it is actually uh, delivering the best uh, outcome out there, uh, and so they are, therefore they are a lot more susceptible to manipulation. And so I think the problem is more acute with voice, uh, be just because of the nature of the interface. And so um, I'm looking at this at this uh, this uh, particular challenge very closely to see what uh, how they're going to resolve it. Um, I don't think it's like all. All problems that are worth solving, I don't think it's an easy problem to solve, so um, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen next.
0: Okay, and that's uh, that's a segue into our fifth story, uh, which is a positive story about Google, that uh, Google Home was just released in the United Kingdom. And one thing I'll throw in here before uh, tossing this to, to you all is that uh, I was unaware that Google Home uh recognizes up to 6 different voices and uh I think that's really really cool I I've been you know I don't own a Google Home that will change uh soon but um you know, I've sort of been waiting to see, you know, what naturally when am I going to find out what the differences between Google Home and, and uh, Amazon's hardware are? And uh, I found that to be a fascinating yeah. one. Uh, so, so Google's doing a lot of good things, but uh, including they just uh, uh, went into this new market. So, Ahmed, I'll start with you. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, I think as I was saying before, I think Google. I'm very happy that Google is in the mix. I'm happy also that Cortana is in the mix, but for sure Google is. Is trying very consciously to differentiate themselves from uh, the, f- the front runner, which is Alexa. I think distinguishing between voices is a huge one for sure, uh, for many reasons. Um, I think the fact that they are in Canada and the fact that they are in the UK, although Alexa is in the UK as well, is great. Um, um, I think uh, from a developer, uh, I love the fact that that we, the, the people who are in interacting with the, um, the Google Cloud through their SDK, are able to get the, not only the intent and the slots, but are able to get the full transcription of what the customer said, which is hugely important for discovery, and which is a thing that you cannot today do. I hope Hopefully, the Alexa team is listening to this, that you cannot today do, uh, and that's a big minus. A uh, big minus because you go out as a, with a scale and an action, uh, with an MVP, with some assumptions, and then you discover what people are asking for, and by be doing something like I don't know a word um, a word cloud of what people are asking for, you discover gaps um, in in your in your in your action, and you can iterate. So getting the full transcription is a big plus. Uh, and then the other thing which I already mentioned, which is surfacing skills without having to um, you know to to do an incantation or formally, you know, hey Google, ask X. You can just say, hey Google, uh, I want to find out how the Facebook stock is doing, and it surfaces the motley fools. Uh, action, for example. That's a big plus. So, Google is definitely doing some great things, and I think uh, and I'm a big champion of of them as well as, as the other ecosystems.
3: Yeah, and uh, I, I got to echo what uh, Ahmed said is uh, Google is trying very hard to extend some of the uh, abilities for developers to really understand how individuals are interacting with their, uh, with their designs, and uh, a lot of the folks I work with really appreciate that. Um, I, I got to say, you know, And uh, Alibaba, we're going to get to that, is doing voice prints. It's fundamentally important that we do identity recognition and we understand who's speaking to the system and how they're interacting with it. And also to create sandboxes of activity capability of an open mic, right? So we already saw what happened with, um, uh, you know, I think Burger King did it with Google and others have done it uh, indirectly or on purpose with Alexa just by, you know, yelling a commercial out uh, and, and, and uh, it's already going on in the background, right? So what we need to do is understand that once there's, e- uh, once there's voice commerce attached to these systems or somebody can do something that can potentially impact somebody's privacy or financially, you have to have some form of identity recognition. And uh, voice print uh, that, uh, for example, Alibaba is using is pretty good. Pretty darn good. Not perfect. And I don't think any voice print technology is going to be abundantly perfect. I think uh, Apple's approach is ultimately going to use biometric at a distance. That's one of the reasons why they acquired PrimeSense. PrimeSense, Microsoft had the opportunity to own that company. They, they made the uh, uh, system for Xbox many years ago, which they've discarded now. But the idea is who's speaking to me? And what context are they speaking to me? That's what's most important. And Bradley, you surfaced a, an interesting artifact that most people, even in our community, don't understand that Google is capable of doing some of these things. And, and we're going to see Alexa do it very soon also, I can tell you from an inside track.
2: Yeah, I, I, one of the things I, I learned from this uh, article that I really enjoyed was that they call them digital butlers. I, I don't know, I just like that uh, that image. But uh, yeah, congratulations to Google. They, they are uh, showing that on a global scale, the, the race is still early if you think about this as a, as a marathon, um, not only for, um, I guess, dominance in, in the United States or in the world, but also um, early in the race as far as sophistication of our devices. So if we were to think about this as a marathon, I think we're really just barely past the starting line. Uh, it's a global race, and uh, you know Google's uh, in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and by the end of the year, Australia, France, uh, Germany, and Japan. Um, Amazon had an early head start out there. U.S., U.K., Germany looking for Japan, India uh, are, are maybe the next two stops for them. So uh, I, I'm excited for the race.
0: So we'll move on to story number six, which is, Alibaba is preparing a voice hub within the Chinese market. And uh, for this, Brian, I will start with you. What are your thoughts?
3: I think it's absolutely astounding. Uh, Alibaba is uh, equivalent to Amazon and in some ways maybe larger uh, when you look at some of the uh, raw number of items that they move. Um, You know, One of the things that uh, defined the web revolution was pay-per-click advertising. And that was the fundamental uh, monetization unit that made the web as we know it. If it didn't exist, we wouldn't have had it. The fundamental unit that's going to really drive um, the voice first revolution is going to be voice commerce. Uh, It's really not going to be an equivalent of pay-per-click or even paid for placement that we were talking about prior with, uh, uh, with Google. Uh, fundamentally what's going to happen is we're going to find ways to buy things in very creative ways. That's what humans do. And it sounds commercial and crass, but unfortunately that's what people do with their time or fortunately, however you want to look at it. So Alibaba recognizes this fact and Again, getting back to what they have, it's uh, it's called the Tmall Genie, and um, it's named after their extremely popular uh, online commerce uh, system. In fact, uh, I would say in some ways, China's many times more advanced than the rest of the world through Alibaba as far as making purchases through this type of platform. I mean, you can buy live chickens, live pigs. I mean, you can buy all sorts of things for Alibaba that... Amazon's not shipping, not that I've checked. Um, I can say, hey Alexa, can you get me a pig? Uh, you know, but Alibaba, you can get that delivered to you in in in, in three hours or less, uh, dressed or undressed with a <laughs> an apple in its. Pocket. Are
0: you serious?
3: Absolutely, yeah. So there, this is a commerce platform, it's a real deal, and it's also a compromise of. Millions of entrepreneurs, you know, just like Amazon, most people think Amazon's this monolithic company and they sell everything. 68% or more is being sold by independent entrepreneurs through the Amazon discovery platform, because that's really what Amazon.com is, is a discovery platform. And so what Alibaba is, is an equivalent of that. Some say they copy. Some say Amazon copies them. It's irrelevant. What really is going on is that two of the largest commerce companies in the world now have voice-first platforms. And if you've been sleeping through this revolution, it's time to wake up. And if you're a brand and you're selling something, really wake up and say, hold it. Voice commerce is happening. Uh, you know, I know all the existential debates people have. I, I, I can't see it. I can't buy it. Yeah, that's the same de- debate I had in 1990, 1994, with people like, I can't buy in the web because I can't touch the clothes. And we know where that went. And Amazon dominated. Amazon dominated the web because they knew that they could sell things ephemerally that people don't touch. Sound familiar? Yeah, that's called voice commerce today. And And that's why it's hard for people to understand because if they understood it, that be on the train already, you know, taking advantage of this ride. Because the ride is going to lift a whole lot of people. So Alibaba with the TML Genie is creating an open platform. It's a far-field device, seven microphones. It's got a really uh, robust processor, a deep speaker, uh, deep movement. Well, I think it's at uh, almost uh, two inches of movement. So it's going to move a lot of sound. It has voice print technology, which I mentioned before. It, very important to understand why that is uh, big in China. It's because a lot of people are very, very paranoid over their you know their roommates being able to order things when they didn't give them permission. So Ali knew that and they kind of built that as a as an a priori for their system. So this is going to be released for $75. For the first one thousand, and maybe a street price of ninety nine dollars, uh, I'm predicting this to be in the space of three years one of the largest voice first platforms on the planet, uh, just because of how big Ali is and how aggressively they are going to move it.
1: Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, I think I think uh, w- the way the market has evolved in China is very instructive in the in the following sense that. What they took care of uh, the last multiple years is the, uh, the plumbing, the emergence of people being able to text anyone or any little business, um, chicken or, or wood or buying food. Um, and that infrastructure is what is now enabling Alibaba to build on top of. Um, uh, so they're way, way ahead of of uh, whatever chatbots that we have right now. Um, it's interesting that uh, the, the chatbots. uh The chatbot, um, let's call it, the chatbot space has been tackled from the UI perspective uh, in the the United States. Basically, people are thinking about, well, how does one talk to a robot and so on and so forth, and and how do we make the conversation natural as opposed to what happened in China, which is is, uh, they didn't care too much about the uh, the interface. What they cared about is the plumbing uh, with the interface being between a human and a human. Right. Once you have that interface, then you can add on top of that in the artificial layer of somebody talking to a non-human, um, and 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 that's why I think uh, we have something formidable to uh, to look at uh, with Alibaba and the and the fact that now that they have this this plumbing on top of that voice interface, where you can actually do useful things like buy something from, I don't know, the 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 down the street's grocer. Uh, and you just make the order and you can uh, they can deliver to you can pick it up uh, and, and there now you have an actual value based interaction um, uh, through voice that has an infrastructure that has been being that was being built for multiple years before we get to this point where we are today yeah the uh, what's what's
2: interesting about this is it's not really a Amazon competition. Um, you know, Alibaba is not really going up against Amazon because if you look in China, um, Alibaba has got 57 percent of the share, and the next um, largest uh, retailer has 25 percent. And uh, if you look at the, the top three internet giants, uh, two out of the three already had some sort of a voice device, um, and so this is actually Alibaba doing a little bit of uh, catch up. But excitingly, that they they have a developer SDK, so it, it sounds like it's going to be extensible.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say that one of the one of the fundamental things that I, I think, uh, and Ahmed brought this home really brilliantly, is that Ali really built the plumbing in a way that nobody else around the world has done. And on top of that, they added Alipay. And uh, it, it's so important to understand how voice payments and voice commerce are going inter- to interact with each other. There is no credit card in the voice first world. So the selection of payment and how you enumerate and remunerate uh, various components inside this new uh, paradigm is going to become absolutely stunning. And I think Amazon is in a unique position that they've uh, built Amazon Pay. And I think Amazon Pay is going to become fundamentally important, not just for voice payments, but for web payments. And it's going to be quite a disruptive uh, disruptive thing. That one-click experience is what uh, they're trying to bring around the world.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, really quickly, uh, um, I was really new to this uh, this topic and, and voicebot.ai, I want to do a shout out to, to Brett and Ava there. They have a good article today and yesterday um, on this Alibaba subject.
3: Yeah, I, I also wrote a article on readmultiplex.com, uh, you know, kind of covering some of the deeper details. And, uh, yeah, VoiceBot AI is great, uh, great uh, folks over there. The thing that we have to understand, though, before we put ahead on this is 450 million daily users. It's, uh, you know, you just got to think about that mass scale. And that's growing, you know regularly. Uh, I, I believe that probably by the end of the year we're going to be approaching uh almost a billion users by the growth uh, structure yeah. that they have. And it's, I, it's a mess of platform.
1: And and also a mess of data which which will take their uh, voice recognition Absolutely. To, to a whole new level uh, even though the uh, you know the um, the mandarin cantonese um perhaps the, the the audience doesn't know this but the uh, the speech recognition problem in in mandarin and cantonese is a lot easier than it is, even though there are the tones and all that, than it is for, say, English or French or, um, you know, or the other languages. Uh, so on top of that, you have this this layer of billions upon billions or an order of magnitude more probably than what Amazon is able to collect. And then you may, you probably will have a superhuman, meaning a, a system, a speech system that that is able to understand uh, better than a human being, um, uh, human-spoken speech, which then takes us to a whole new level of, uh, you know, of, of uh, uh, amazingness as far as technology is concerned.
0: Excellent. So I'm calling an audible for the last question. We had a seventh question selected. It involves Adobe and uh, stuff they're doing with analytics. Uh, if you want to read about that, if you're listening, uh, feel free. It's on thisweekinvoice.com. Uh, I want to conclude this podcast, which has just been phenomenal. Uh, this is just going to be a fun show every week with uh, each of the three of you um, just simply stating what you think the most important story or most important aspect or angle on voice technology right now is. Starting with you, Ahmed.
1: So for me right now, the the biggest thing in voice or the the, the issue that I think we need to solve is to get off the notion that what we need are, are more developers and to get into the world of more uh, designers and product managers and so forth. Meaning. Uh, I would love if, if we started thinking about what, how do we uh, make sure that people understand that the voice experience uh, is a complex thing to, uh, to build and design and so forth, as opposed to coding up skills. Um, that, that, that's, a, that's a thing that I would love for, uh, for us to move off on.
0: Okay, Mark, what, what, uh, what's your biggest news story or, or the biggest thing in voice to you right now?
2: The thing that I'm focusing in right now is just, uh, I guess, evangelizing uh, voice first. Uh, Phoenix is a, a big enough market. It's a you know, a top uh, city in the United States, uh, but there is a lot to learn. There's, no, there's not a lot of people that know much about voice first. We had a great meetup uh, last uh, month where we had JUX people coming in, and, and they were asking questions about, you know, what does it mean to be a voice user interface designer, so I'm trying to figure out how to take what I've learned over the last 10 months and even over just the last uh, seven months of doing this meetup uh, and how I can encourage other people to start meetups in their own communities uh, just so that this uh, knowledge gets out there to developers, to um, designers, uh, to entrepreneurs, academics, enthusiasts, anybody, um, because the, the people that I'm talking with today are going to be those that are doing you know,
0: you know pushing as a voice first revolution tomorrow very cool. and Brian, you've got such interesting and and diverse uh uh such an interesting vantage point on all of this. What is your biggest story right now in voice?
3: Well, thank you, Bradley. um you know in multiplex magazine, I've been uh trying to slowly introduce the world to some of the ideas I mean I've been thinking about this since the 1980s and I wrote a manifesto about it and you know slowly but surely I'm getting some of these protocols out there and the very latest protocol is really based upon how Broca discovered how the human mind really works and a lot of people think this is very esoteric. and maybe we would think when we were using command lines of DOS and and Unix and uh, CPM back in the early days that graphic design was an esoteric study because the computer would never, ever possibly display graphics on a screen. That was the belief system. And today, just like what Ahmed was saying is, you know the mechanics of actually building skills, it's beautiful, and I want to evangelize that. But what we need is to draw people with psychological backgrounds, with uh, uh, anthropo- uh, ant- anthropology backgrounds, uh, people who are lyricists, people who are poets we're going to be talking to these devices through the same mechanism that we've used to uh, interact with other human beings. Artificial understanding is not about trying to make the computer become a human. What it's about is to try to have the computer understand the human in a much better sense. And so I'm really promoting, since I've finally released this term, I've you know, been holding it back for a while. I think it's time that we start talking about it. This whole artificial understanding is how does How does a human brain come to a thought? How does that thought become a word or a sentence or an idea, you know, transmitted to another person? And if the computer can understand that, or machine learning and artificial intelligence can understand that better, our throughput in interacting with these devices will increase by magnitude. There won't be a need for invocation. There won't be a need for all these other types of things. What will happen is we'll have a rich and diverse interaction with a personal assistant and what i'm really talking about is moving away from q a question what's the weather answer it's going to rain to dialogues and a dialogue means that it needs to know more context about you and when it needs to know more context then it becomes much more invasive in your life and there's a whole lot of elements that come to that so my biggest thing is we've got to start with what i believe is ground zero understanding the, humbra- the human brain Understand that if we don't react in building these things to a sense of how humans truly interact with each other, we're wasting our time. And that's one of the reasons why fundamentally chatbots have failed, is that they were single silos amongst themselves with the developer trying to guess at every possible way that somebody's going to state something. That's ridiculous. It's redundant. It's ridiculous. We're sort of still doing that right now with our voice-first development. We've got to sit there and think, what invocations will people use? How will they ask? This is absolutely ridiculous. And it's it's a mechanical process. Technology exists today where we can kind of sidestep that. Uh, it's just not being implemented. And so the revolution continues, but I think the real revolution is going to be an artificial understanding and how we wind up... Really becoming a reflection of ourselves and our technology in a very meaningful way.
1: Yeah, uh, on one last item, um, just to uh, amplify on all, all all that Brian has said there, um, and that is that uh, I think it's becoming clear um, beyond the initial core circle, um, um, this this uh, the people on this panel. And and, uh, and the community is that um, people are becoming aware that what we need right now are people from the humanities to, to step in into the into the into the fold. Absolutely, we need, we need, absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, exactly. And and, and 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 so there is a, an article. I just want to point out an article um, that Harvard Business Review um, published, and I think in July, August, the latest issue. And the title of the, um, uh, the of the article is "Liberal Arts Majors Are the Future of the Tech Industry." I believe that 100%. I think we need people who think about the full complexity of uh, of uh, the human existence and how we go about living our lives, and as opposed to push a button and something happens, um, which is more of an engineering kind of a, a worldview. Um, So read that article. It's fascinating and it's great. That's now it's, um, I would say it's coming into the mainstream, um, mainstream uh, consciousness that we need people who uh, think about the humanities on top, obviously, of the entrepreneurs and the engineers and technologists out there.
3: You know, I would cap it off like this. And, you know, If he was still alive, Steve Jobs would, well, I know as a fact, he would be championing voice to a level that we've never seen before. One of the reasons, one of the last hacks uh, as an executive at Apple was to acquire Mm -hmm. uh, Siri. And what what Steve gave us is the smartphone and the uh, graphic user interface. And that was at the crossroads of engineering, uh, mechanical arts, computer science, and liberal arts. And we have drifted away from that quite a bit. We've gotten back into the mechanized way of looking things. And an yep. article that Ahmed pointed out is beautifully written, very well documented. And, you know, a lot of us engineers, I come from an engineering background, but I obviously bifurcated a little bit over my life. Um, you know, we really need to understand what does this technology really going to do in our life? What? Why are we heads down? It breaks my heart to see, teenagers walking down the street, especially in San Francisco yep. for maybe a mile and never lifting their head up yep. and, and wishing that there was a camera to show them that they're in a crosswalk. So they still don't need to lift their head up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, that's not what we, that's not what we evolved to. That's and right. So that's I, right. I always like to balance everything off. It's like, we're gun ho about this technology, but like Ahmed said, it's gotta be humanistic. It's gotta be able to make us greater not make us a slave.
0: Gentlemen, thank you very much for setting the time aside. This was phenomenal. Um, Thank you for everyone listening to this. Uh, We will aim uh, each week to bring you the most relevant, uh, most insightful news of the week. Um, so guys, thank you very much for hey, Bradley, being part of our you. first, uh, ever podcast. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you for your yeah, lots of fun. fabulous. Thank you. Absolutely. So for the first episode of this week in voice, thank you for listening and until next time.